Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Before we get started, I just want to let you know, this episode is brought to you by Buckaroo Media, a digital marketing company that focuses on social media that cultivates relationships between brands and their customers. Buckaroo Media prides themselves on building genuine and authentic connections. Digital marketing doesn't have to be overwhelming or overly time-consuming. With Buckaroo Media on your team, you're free to focus on the areas of your business which you're most passionate about, and let Buckaroo Media handle the rest. Check them out on Instagram at buckaroo.media or Facebook at Buckaroo Media. For more information about Buckaroo Media and how they can grow your Western brand, visit buckaroomedia.com. B-U-C-K-A-R-O-O-M-E-D-I-A.com. Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life, who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance, and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned, we're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another week here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. After taking December off, we're off to an amazing start here in 2020. Our following continues to grow, and I believe our guests make up some of the greatest folks the Western industry has to offer. Now, in the show intro, when we mentioned talking to people from all walks of life, never in a million years did we think we would have a guest from the National Football League. This week, we feature Xavier Suofilo, a guard for the Dallas Cowboys. I have huge respect for Xavier as he finished his sixth year in the NFL. And what's most commendable is his plan for life after he hangs his uniform for the last time. Over the next hour, we will break down the grind and sacrifice it takes to be a professional athlete and how the horse has kept Xavier focused from day one. I'm grateful for all the wisdom he shared in this episode and humbled to have found another brother in Christ. To follow more of what Xavier's got going on, you can find him on Instagram at xmain 71 That's X-M-A-N-E-7-1. Or you can find him on the field every Sunday during the NFL season. We are truly grateful for the continued support of the show and the messages week in and week out. We are trying ever diligently to get back to everybody, and we appreciate all of your engagement. If you do not already, find us on Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Click subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. And to help us with this year's goal of raising brand awareness, please give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the show. Now, we hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is our conversation with Dallas Cowboy, Xavier Suofilo. This year's a little different. Uh, week 16, I got hurt in the Philly game uh, at Philly. And so um, uh, four and a half weeks post-op, I broke my fibula and oh. tore my deltoid. Jesus. Um, tore my deltoid um, ligament in my ankle. So I'm off it right now. And so right now I'm staying in Dallas uh, near the facility here at the start to uh, rehab. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, my usual off season is in Phoenix, specifically Chandler, Arizona, is where we live, train, yeah. and spend our and where we make home base. So good stuff, man. Good stuff. So um, you get rolled up on, or how'd that go down in Philly? Yeah, I got rolled up on. It was a screen play, and um, you know, got rolled up on by a teammate and a D end, and just it's kind of like you know i've never broken a bone before knock on wood i never do again yeah but it was kind of it's kind of um it sucked man it does <laughs> suck know, absolutely I, I had my uh i think it was my left foot no my right foot it was my right foot i had it rebuilt like i don't know maybe four years ago 
And uh-huh. uh, they were going in there and they were saying, hey, there's a couple possible scenarios going down. You know, we can kind of make a little fix. It might have to be a little bit more work or we might just have to rebuild the whole foot, but we won't necessarily know until we get in there. And of <laughs> oh, course, right, given my given my luck, post-op, they're like, yeah, dude, we just had to replace everything, right? So they fused joints and their screws and hardware and all that stuff. And I remember coming out of surgery and I consider myself relatively tough. Yeah, right as far as pain tolerance and stuff goes, but the doctors are saying like, you're going to be in a world of hurt, man. Like you got to take care of that foot. You got to keep it elevated. You got to follow all your instructions. And I remember laying on the couch that, that first night and I had never felt pain like that in my life before. Like just with the foot being so swell, swollen, right? It's so far from your heart. It's at the lowest point of gravity when you're, when you're sitting in a chair <laughs> standing, like I felt like such a sissy, <laughs> such a sissy. I know how you feel, bro. <laughs> I'm the same way, yeah. and I was like whining to my wife and kids. My yeah. wife was like, "My wife was like, geez, does it hurt that bad?" I yeah. go, "Probably not. I'm just being a wuss." Dude, there was one point where, right, they tell you right, elevate it, right, to get the swelling out of yeah. your foot. I literally laid on the part of the couch where you sit your butt, and I had my foot on the back of the couch, like where your head goes. I could, I was trying to get it as high as I possibly could to get all that swelling out. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been there, bro. Good stuff, man. Well, it's good that you're staying close to the facility, right? And I'm sure you got more than enough as far as a team working on that foot and trying to get everything rebuilt and put back together and, and strong and healthy again, huh? Absolutely. I'll be back. Heck yeah. Not a very long injury. Good stuff, man. So obviously we're here. Football is your mainstay. Football is your profession. Uh, I truly believe that professional athletes have been given a uh, God-given talent, right? You're just exceptional in your own right. But Throughout the line, share this conversation, right? We're going to sit down and talk about how the horses influence your life, how the horses kind of recharge your batteries and how it's played a pivotal role in kind of keeping you focused, not only for your profession, but but for the longevity, right? Life after football, because we all know as, as athletes and, and me being a former athlete, I mean, you hit 30 years old and you're considered old, right? You start pushing beyond that and your body just doesn't hold up, especially in the in the wide world of football, right? Just given its physical yeah. nature. So... Let's kind of talk about your history in horses and how you got your start. And obviously, there's going to be many parallels between horsemanship and football throughout. And we'll just kind of see where the conversation goes from there. So let's start with them early years. I know in previous conversation, I mean, you were born with a football in your hand, but a stride before a football showed up, the the horse was playing a role in your life. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely, man. I uh, Just as long as I can remember, uh, when I was little, I've loved horses and been all around them and and actually, actually called my dad and called my grandpa, you know, to get a little bit more of a perspective because I can't remember a whole lot when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they were kind of telling me basically, you know, a few stories that way that, um, you know, they just knew from a young age that all I wanted to do was be around the horses. You know, I'd walk under them, you know, as a, as a toddler, which, you know, can be dangerous. Absolutely. And I was, you know, I was just fearless, you know, and. I was, whether it was jumping over the fence to try and ride the neighbor's green boat colt or, you know, riding five, six hours with my grandpa without complaining, you know, as a eight year old kid, that was just kind of, you know, that impressed them and kind of showed them that I really, I really loved it. So. And what do you think for you in those early experiences? Do you think that because your father and grandfather just had horses around, it was your norm or was there something that kind of lit a fire in that young of an age? And I know it's kind of hard to recall those feelings maybe, but um, mm-hmm. obviously there was a draw somewhere. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I just think that, like I said from before, I could remember my grandfather had horses. Yeah. 
you know, him, my grandpa kind of got into horses as an adult uh, with his brothers where, you know, they had always been around them, but they had never owned their own. Mm-hmm. And so uh, him and his brothers decided to buy their own and kind of, you know, uh, use that because they, they hunted a lot. They were deer and elk hunters in Utah. Mm-hmm. And they would always, um, so they bought their horses to basically be hunting mounts and uh, trail ride them in the mountains. And uh, when my dad and his love for horses, you know, started when he was young as well, when he ended up dating my mom and marrying into the family, the transition became easy. Yeah. And and even before uh, my dad uh, bought his own horses, um, and like when I was born, the horses that I would, you know, ride or be around the most were my grandfather's horses. And so they lived right down the road from where we did. And so, you know, there wasn't anything big that jumped out to me that I can remember other than that. I, I loved him, dude. And to this day, I love him, you know, yeah. and, and to me, like people talk about, you know, dogs being a man's best friend or that I was like, no, dude, the horses, bro. You know? so, <laughs> whether, whether people want to argue with me that or not, I just, you know, you can't tell me anything, you know, I, I won't have any other animals. I mean, dog, dogs are cool too. Yeah, you know, I know yeah. there's dog lovers, but I was just saying like, I'm a horse guy through and through. So. No, it's incredible. Um, and I completely agree in that same right, that there's just something about the horse that it's good for our soul. And oftentimes we don't even know how or why it's good for our soul, right? We're just drawn to it. And it's once we start having these conversations about horsemanship and, and truly starting to understand the horse, then we kind of can kind of wrap our mind around why that horse is given back and how, how it benefits us as a human being. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you know, they can, what's neat is like, you know, how as humans, we can sense things and animals, you know, especially horses, horses can sense exactly how you're feeling, yeah. you know, like, yeah emotionally and all that and it kind of like affects them you know and you can only really truly understand that you know when you're riding or you know when you're connected with them and that's the beauty of it so absolutely so i want to i want you to elaborate a little bit okay everybody growing up right everybody growing up has got that story of sneaking out of the house right and and usually it's to be a little (laughs) deviant right go out and drink and party and and raise heck or do whatever right Right, and I know I know you got some stories about sneaking out the house, and Dad kind of somewhat caught you, but was good with it, right? Yeah. Let's let's kind of develop that story a little bit as to why you were sneaking out of the house and what the heck you were doing when you did sneak out the house. Yeah, no. So, um, you know, like I said, when we were young, and I, you know, by the time I was a teenager, you know, uh, you know, to me, you know, I, I was well into playing football already, you know, mm-hmm. and so like, um, you know, I found out that I loved it and I wanted to be really good at it, but. I never let it deter, you know, like I said, my love for horses. And so I, if I wasn't thinking about football, I was wanting to be on a horse, you know? Yeah. You know how I feel. And um, so what I used to do is like, you know, we'd have school all week. We'd go Monday through Friday. And then like Saturday morning, dude, I would go to bed extra early on, early on a Friday, which was weird. Uh, yeah. My parents. But, <laughs> There's red but, flag you know, number one. <laughs> but my, you know, my, my, I don't know if my mom thought anything of it. She, I'm sure she did. But my dad knew what I was up to and. Uh, I would wake up at like 5 a.m. sometimes, man, before the sun came up on Saturday morning and sneak out of the house. I'd go into the kitchen, I'd, you know, make make a sandwich, grab some snacks and put it in a saddlebag and I'd saddle up and just ride literally from the back, my backyard, about a mile into the mountains of Pleasant Grove, Utah, where I was from um, or where I grew up. And I'd be there for hours, you know, until I don't know nine, 10 in the morning, I'd be gone for a few hours. And that, uh, 
that freedom, I guess, that release and knowing like that I could get into trouble, I guess, yeah. doing it uh, was, uh, I guess, kind of like the thrill that I had of it. But mm -hmm. to me, it was just like me being alone with a, on a horse, you know, riding, you know, somewhere, you know, just me and me and my uh, my me and my horse was, you know, like just such a release for me to, you know, to feel free, free from commitments, free from the grind and free from responsibilities, you know, in my life. And that truly, I guess that, that rings true to this day with me, man. Yeah. And I think, and, uh, the, the freedom portion and the kind of life balance is, is the greatest talking point in this that I feel because, uh, there's plenty of people that listen to this show that are involved in the horse world or might've been, uh, athletes, right. Previous athletes in traditional sports, you know, baseball, football, basketball, things of that sort. Mm -hmm. But for people that aren't to, to have an understanding, even, even in like middle school and high school age athletes, if you are going to be anything in any kind of a sport, it becomes all encompassing, right? It consumes your every day, the way you eat, the way you sleep, the way you think your classes, all the extracurricular training that goes into it, it can become very overwhelming, very, very fast. And when you're absolutely as young as you are, right, you don't really necessarily have the skill set to take on that level of stress. But for you, right, that horse was almost that breath of fresh air. Oh, every time, you know, and I just remember like, uh, it was funny is like, I, I just remember like coming home from football practice. It didn't matter how tired or sore I was, man. Like I, I'd still find energy to get on a horse, yeah. you know, and like, to me, like, that's how I knew I loved it because you're right that, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure, um, you know, that goes into it. And especially for those that want to be good, you know, at, at their craft, at whatever sport they're playing, then they're always going to push themselves to do extra and work hard, extra hard in it, you know, but for me, that was my free time, mm -hmm. uh, my carefree time. And, and still to where I found, I found that release for a horse. And, you know, it's interesting. I, um, I've been, you know, playing in the NFL for six years now. And every year we go to the off season uh, to Arizona and I own my own horses, but they live in Utah uh, at my dad's place. But while we're in Arizona and you ask my wife every weekend, like Saturday morning, just like how I used to do growing up, I will go and find a horse to ride. Yeah. And most of the time I end up driving up to a uh, cave Creek mm -hmm. um, in Arizona and there's a, a couple, what they call mobile, would it be mobile ranches where, um, during the good weather, uh, they'll come down and they'll kind of like, you know, set up yeah, and, and set up their ranch down there, like just for riding, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, um, then when it gets hot in the summer months, they'll, they'll go back up North. Yeah. But I will go almost every weekend during the off season, um, up there to ride and, I'll go ride for, for hours. Sometimes I won't be back till about 3 p.m. And my, my wife's like, man, you love those horses, man. You know, because yeah. I'll wake up before the kids wake up and I won't be back till later. And it's a lot, a lot more Saturdays than I probably should, you know. But it's in and, you, right? I truly believe, like, if, if you're a horseman and you're dedicated to this profession, it's in your blood, right? You're just born with it. Yeah. It's hard to describe mm -hmm. as to, you know, the passion and the fire, but it's just there. A hundred percent. And that I, I guess it burns just as much as my uh, passion for football has always been there. Like this burns just as true. And so I've, I've been itching to get, get into it, man. But obviously, you know, not yet. <laughs> yeah. Time will tell, right? Time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk. I want to talk more about the football side of life for you. 
Because mm-hmm. I know we'll we'll get back to the horsemanship and the parallels of that. But for you, what was kind of the turning point when you knew like football might be my chance? Cool. Man, from a young age as well, uh, for me, I think that, you know, first of all, it was something that I loved, but um, when I started playing uh, tackle football in like sixth or seventh grade, uh, I was bigger than a lot of the guys. You mm-hmm. know, I was bigger than a lot of my linemen, but I could run just as fast as a lot of the skill position guys. And so to me, I guess it was, you know, it's probably that first drill, you know, that we had, you know, where you line up, one guy has the ball, one guy has to tackle yeah and you line up and you have to um basically almost you know shuffle 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 and then when the coach just hit the hole you got to hit the hole and the guy's got to tackle you or you got to run him over yeah and i guess the first time i ran that drill i was the one running the ball and i ran the guy over and it felt pretty good you know what i mean and, <laughs> and i and i kind of and i kind of knew then and this was like yes seventh grade I kind of knew that I loved football. Not, not only that, I loved the contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, uh, I played fullback for my first two, three years, you know, of, of yeah. tackle football. And, yeah. I, and I loved it. You know, I didn't really play defense hardly. And uh, my transition to offensive line came in high school. And that was, that's a completely different story. But um, being a lineman, like I love being a lineman. You couldn't tell me that you couldn't ask me to play anything else because being a playing offensive lineman is the best. Yeah. You know, but when I was young, I didn't necessarily think so. <laughs> yeah, because you don't have a football in your hand. Sure. You know, right. and I liked, I liked carrying it, but I just saying like the physicality part for me, being, being big and being able to move and being athletic, you know, I, I kind of knew that, you know, if I worked hard at this, I could have a future in it. And uh, it was something that I loved because I truly believe, man, like, you know, nine times out of ten, you do something you're passionate about, you'll love doing it. You know, oh, absolutely. And, you know, you, you know how they say you'll never work a day in your life and mm-hmm. do something you love. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, you know, kind of a believer in that because, you know, for me, I, I love football, and yes, it is work, and yes, it is a grind. And at the professional level, you know, the older you get, the more competitive it becomes because there's young guys who want to come in and take your job. I understand all that, but to me, the challenge and the competitiveness of that. That fire, I guess it always still burns. Yeah. Um, burns in my soul, and that's why I love doing it. So, so for you, uh, I mean, uh, you, you talk about that first drill, right? And, and hitting the hole. And I think about how many life parallels that drill has, right? As far as A, facing fears, B, preparation, the physicality, right? Sometimes life, you just got to flag it in a dogfight, and it's up to you to win, yeah. right? There's nobody else for you to rely on. Um, Let's talk about just the, the grind of of football, and we can pick any phase of your career, you know? Oh, man. Um, man. I mean, physically, it, it wears on you and the Absolutely. time that you have to dedicate to it. But then when you transition into a professional level, right, and this becomes your your paycheck, I mean, there's a lot of commitment to it as far as meetings, right? And there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot into the, that goes into the mental game. So let's talk Absolutely. about that grind and just the wear and the tear of it, how you maintain your consistency in it, how you maintain your persistence as far as seeking success and not being overwhelmed with just the flat commitment of the grind. Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, growing up, um, you know, when you're young and you're in organized sports, high school, college, like a lot of that stuff is kind of taken care of for you, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, like it's your schedule is, uh, I guess, set for you, right? And so for me in high school, you know, it was just kind of like, 
you knew you had to go to practice, you knew we had to condition, you knew we had to lift weights, and that's kind of stuff was required, right? Uh, you always had a coach, I guess, pushing you to do that. And in college, you know, you had to show up, you know, on time for, for classes, for meetings, all that kind of stuff. If not, then you had to run, you know, and oh, yeah. all that kind of stuff was regimented, you know, for you. Um, and so it was just kind of to teach you to be responsible and kind of be, you know, true to your commitments. Coming into the NFL, like how you said, like being professional, like that stuff is already expected of you. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, it's just kind of like when they say be a pro, be a pro means in every facet of your life, you know, considering because this is your full-time job now. Mm-hmm. And so that transition for a lot of guys was, you know, the difference, I guess, when you're in college, if you're late to a meeting, then you might get scolded by your coach and you might have to have conditioning that sucks, you know, but in the NFL, if you're late to a few meetings, they won't even yell at you, man. They'll just cut you. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll yeah. just, they'll find you. You know what I mean? Yeah. They'll find somebody else who, who shows you that, uh, I guess who shows them that it's important to them. Mm-hmm. And so that grind there, the mental and the emotional and the physical grind in football, it's, it's like, they basically, like they're saying, this is your full-time job um, and you're a professional, so act like it. So nobody is constantly uh, hovering over you and bothering you to work out. Nobody is bothering you to stay in shape to run. Nobody is is making sure that you're eating good. That all falls on the weight of, you know, of, of your shoulders, meaning like as a man, if this is your job and you call yourself a professional, then you need to act like it. You need to do it. You need to eat healthy. You need to lift weights. You need to, you know, get treatment. You need to make sure that you're taking care of little nicks, bruises, your mobility, flexibility. All that stuff falls on your shoulders in the off season, and they expect you to be ready to go when you, obviously, when you show up. And so, to me, that's a whole different mental game, you know, because guys experiment their first few years finding out what works for them. And then once something works for them, then they stick to it and they kind of make a routine. Because, you know, as athletes, we like routine. We like yeah, organization. Yeah, the comfort of it. Yep. And, and you know, the NFL is, um, I guess, it is very important in the NFL that you become comfortable with being uncomfortable in a lot of situations. And uh, any kind of, like, routine and any kind of groove you can get into during the season or during the off season that works for you is something that guys look for because, you know, after a few years, you know exactly what you have to do to get your body prepared, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's a hundred percent chance that you're going to get injured sometime in your career in the NFL and how you handle that adversity is a whole new different mental game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, because everybody can finish, whoever can finish the off season healthy, that's no problem. You know, rest your body, yeah. uh, take some trips, you know, take some time off, whatever you want to do, but then also get right back into the grind and make sure you're staying on top of it. But the people who are injured, you know, like myself right now, you know, your off season plans that you had before they go out the door and you have to adjust them mm-hmm. and you have to be mm-hmm. mentally able to, to be able to do that, you know, and, and, you know, very, uh, I guess do it in a very mature and responsible way. Be patient enough to come back from injury and not rush it, but also do everything else that you can control to be able to be prepared, come off season program, come summer conditioning, come fall camp. And so that grind, man. And it's just, it's never ending. You know what I mean? And yeah. when a lot of guys that a lot of veterans that I know, uh, when they talk about off season, it really isn't an off season for them. That's really when they're in season because 
when you're in season and playing football, that's kind of like the fun part that yeah. your whole off season yeah. was put in. And you know that. You oh, know, absolutely. So. I mean, you think about the foundation of training, right? You always want to make the training harder than the actual activity, right? Because when absolutely. you get to the actual activity, it's time to just relax and let it rip. Exactly. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. When we, I mean, when we very first started this conversation, right? And you're talking about getting rolled up and recovering from your injury. And, and here's, I mean, you talk about just the, the, the mental pressure alone. Think of it as an athlete, right? And, and some people might not have this perspective yet, but a lot of people do, right? Because they train and compete. You put all of these hours, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of your life are dedicated to all the things you described. Eating right, training yep. right, conditioning, excuse me, conditioning, uh, yep. all the mental preparation that goes into it. And literally in one down, you go from being healthy to being rolled up and headed to the OR, right? To, to, to get a foot repaired. And, and that alone could be devastating, right? Cause then you start getting overwhelmed with all the, the initial poor me thoughts. How did this happen to me? God, now look at all this hurdle that I have to overcome. And now I have this much more work in the off season to deal with, you know, and, and that alone could be a daunting task. And, and I think honestly, uh, your mindset has a lot more to do with your recovery than the actual physical portion of it. Hundred percent, I agree with you. Um, yeah, you can't like mental mentally. Yeah, you're gonna go through your ebbs and flows, you know, ups and downs. But especially when you're down and out, uh, you want to feel sorry for yourself at first or yeah. stressed out. You know, it's human nature. You know, but absolutely, you're hundred you're hundred percent right that you know mentally coming back from that, um, and your mindset, I guess, plays a big role in that. But um, like you know, kind of we discussed before. You know, to me, I'm a big believer in God, man, and you know, I think that a lot of that stuff is easier said than done. You know, you mm-hmm. can say, I guess you can say you have a lot of faith, but until it's put to the test, yeah. you don't know exactly how much faith you have, you know, yeah. and sometimes, sometimes guys kind of underestimate, you know, kind of how they feel or they underestimate, you know, the kind of strength that they can draw from God and, yeah. and that belief. And so for me, you know, for me having a, you know, a big, big positive life due to having a very, you know, Christian background and uh, having a, you know, big positive outlook on, on life's big picture has really helped me, man, through my um, adversity and through my tough times, just knowing that, you know, you know, you do, you do your best, you know, then God will bless you no matter what. And he's never going to give us something, you know, put us through any kind of adversity that we can't handle. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I hurt my, uh, I was telling you, I hurt my foot, right. I, my ankle ligament and, you know, broke my fibula, right. And I saw somebody the other day, um, I guess it was just at a CVS, and he was wearing an eye patch. And I said, it's only the eye, and he said he's partially blind for the rest of his life because of an accident he had when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But this but this kid, man, he, I guess he wasn't, he's probably near my age, in his mm-hmm. mid-20s. And he said it was a freak accident and, and all this, but like he was so happy. you know. And then yeah. he was, had no problem telling me about it, and in my head I was thinking, you know, I was kind of feeling sorry for myself today, you know, about yeah. not being able to walk on walk on my foot that I know I'm going to walk on. And here's this guy who might not ever see out of his eye again. And it was just that humbling feeling, just knowing like, you know, there's always somebody who has it worse than you, man. Yeah, And true. being a professional athlete, you know, with injuries that, you know, that you signed up for because that's part of the game and the life that you live and how blessed I am. I have no room, man, to be, you know, to just really to feel sorry for myself. And so, yeah, you go through that, that mental, you know, breakdown where you're kind of like, you know, in your head, but you're completely right. When you say the mental part of recovery is so much, so much more challenging than the physical part, because the physical part is going to heal. It's going to happen. Yeah. But can your mind get back to how it was before? 
Yeah. And that's what I love to break down on the show and, and kind of the foundation of the show is, I mean, a lot of it is perspective, right? We, mm-hmm. we do have somewhat control of, of the direction our lives are, are, are going, right? But oftentimes circumstances run up on us and we don't have control over them, you know? And, and for me personally, it's the same, the same point that you make as far as, I mean, you could say you're, you could say you're bound in faith, right? You could say you're right. mentally tough. Uh, but until you're backed into that corner and truly up against circumstances where those attributes are tested, you, you really don't know what you're made of. And, and the earlier parts of my life, you know, I, I feared failure tremendously. I think that's the reason I had as much se- success in baseball as I did was because yeah. I just did not want to let anybody down. Statistically, uh, the chance of success was always against me, right? You're not big enough. You're not fast enough. You're not strong enough. I mean, I've heard it my whole entire life, and, and I wanted to prove all those people wrong because of the opportunities my family created for me. Yeah. And, and it's not until you get backed into a corner that you really, really, really start to find who you're made of. And I guess the immature version of me would have been scared of a lot of those challenges. But once as a man, you start to develop, and this, this isn't a male or female thing, right? But me, I'm just talking right. to me as a man, right? Once yep. you start to develop the skill set to appropriately take on a challenge, and you really, 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 for me, start to develop your faith in God, uh-huh. you start walking a little bit taller, right? Your chest is out a little bit more, and you're more willing to now seek failure because that's where the growth takes place. That's where you become a better version of you. Uh, yes, absolutely. And you're right. You know, that faith, you know, faith without works is dead. Just meaning like, yeah. you know, that includes adversity, you know, when you move forward in faith, I guess with something that means you're kind of going into the unknown, you know, and yeah. when you're, when you're injured, um, for me, you don't know what the future holds. It's, it's unknown, right? You don't know if you're going to be able to recover to get back, even though people tell you that you will, you know, it's that sense in believing that. Yeah. The conviction. You know, and I think for me, yeah, the conviction, exactly. And I think like, you know, for me, that's where, you know, I look back at my younger self as well, too. Like, you know, could I have been able to go through some of that? I like to think that I could have, but mm-hmm. as an adult, mm-hmm. I believe, too, that this happened as an adult, like when, you know, at a time where I, you know, God knew I could handle it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, it's just, I don't know, so important, you know, for me to have that big picture and perspective because, you know, really, we could find a hundred things that we wish were better in our lives, but we could find a thousand things that we're grateful for in our lives. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And um, and that's so important, man. And to me, as long as long as I remember that and have that, then I mean, really, I could do anything in in my head. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So absolutely, absolutely. I want to talk more about uh, you. You kind of alluded to it earlier, right? In, in serving in your mission, what was it like? stepping away from football for a little bit to, to go serve a higher purpose. And it was tough. You know, I, uh, it was at a critical time in my life. You know, I, I, um, I played as a freshman, a true freshman at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, I started a left tackle. I had a good season, you know, and I decided to hang it up for two years to go on this mission. And, you know, I was really grateful to my coaches and it was Rick Neuheisel at the time, um, you know, who, you know, supported me on my decision. But um, as far as, you know, I kind of looked at it, you know, in an interesting way. You know, I, I knew I kind of wanted to go on a mission, bro, but I didn't know that when I was going to go on it, 
I kind of knew that if I didn't go then when I was 19 as a freshman, then I probably would never go. And I didn't want to regret it. I didn't want to, you know, yeah. sitting here talking to you and saying like, I wish I would have went, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. so, uh, I decided that, uh, to go and when I first got out there, you know, it was a little bit tough, you know, because you kind of contemplating, um, hope I made the right decision and, you know, you're, you're way outside your comfort zone, man. Yeah, and I hope I didn't, you know, throw away a opportunity in the NFL and all this kind of stuff, you know, and it's just kind of those thoughts in your head. But um, I actually had a mission president out there, the guy who's in charge of all of us missionaries, um, who's our uh, auxiliary leader, if you will, like for our church. Mm-hmm. And he basically, you know, promised me that, you know, if I gave all my all to, to my mission and forgot about football for two years, then I'd be blessed to be, you know, do better in football than I ever would have. Um, and kind of like, you know, running with that, um, that advice and kind of like truly like believing in and doing it really kind of made the difference for me as a man and, um, and as a person too. And, and like I said, like finding conviction in my faith, uh, because, you know, it wasn't easy at first, um, you know, to just do that because it's almost like I was putting my dream on hold. Yeah. And then, and then I, and I had met, you know, and I've met, you know, so many guys growing up in Utah. I've met so many guys who had NFL dreams before their missions, NBA dreams, MLB dreams, who decided to go on the missions and came back home and either didn't want to do it anymore or the fire wasn't there or for whatever reason, just mm-hmm. weren't the same player. And and to me, you know, baseball is a lot different than football and Absolutely. Uh, basketball and like, man, and, and how much you have to be at it, you know, and how consistent you have to be with it. But I went on my mission and I came back, man, and my fire was still burning to play football. And I came back and I was got into shape and I went back to UCLA and I was fortunate that uh, Jim Mora Jr., my coach at the time, uh, gave me a scholarship to come back because he didn't have to. You know, Coach Neuheisel had, had since been um, uh, relieved over there. And mm-hmm. so Coach Mora uh, had me come back and I played two years for him. And it just like, man, to me, it was just such a big test, you know, my faith and the competitive side again being an athlete got me to where my dad served the mission, bro. And every time I asked my dad about his mission, he told me how, you know, how good it would be for me, but he told me how hard it was. Yes. And you know, when my dad told, tells me stuff like, Oh, it's going to be real hard, almost like too hard for you. Then that makes me want to just do it just to see how hard it really is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't, that wasn't all my motivation of course for going, but that played a big part of it. You know, because if, if my dad told me it was just something easy, then maybe I might not have, been, it might it, not yeah. have been as appealing, you know, and yeah. so the fact that it was hard and it was, I could tell you that it was harder than anything I've ever had to do, including crazy conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and that was just such a challenge for me and just really, really helped me grow as a man <clears throat> to go out there and teach people about, you know, share, share them about my message of, of happiness that I've found in my life with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, and yeah. It's not, it's not always easy. And on top of that, not only did I have to do that, but I had to do it in, in a second language in, in Spanish. That's where I learned Spanish and I had, I couldn't even do it in my own, you know, English tongue, you know? And so for me, that was just, like I said, a competitive challenge that ended up turning into uh, something that I'm so grateful that I did and, and really helped me um, become who I was as a man and as a football player. Yeah. So, well, I'll tell you what, man, I, I, I have huge respect for you on so many levels, right? Just for you being a former athlete, knowing what it takes to dedicate yourself to a profession, um, 
your success in the NFL for you to have the career that you've had, right? I mean, that's a sport where guys are in and out real quick. Um, yeah. You know, and there's the old adage that it, that NFL stands not for you know stands for not for long. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, I think about I think about the story you just shared from from an earthly perspective, right? And then we'll kind of talk about the godly portion of it. I'll tell you what, as an athlete competing against another man who chooses to walk away from the sport for two years, like me as the competitor, all I can think of is I'm going to leave you in the dust. I mean, two years to walk away from a sport and not train and not develop. It, for you, it's at a pivotal, pivotal role in your career, right? Where guys kind of make that jump. Am I just going to be an NCAA guy or am I going to make a run at the NFL? And yep. for you to have the courage, I guess not only have the courage, right, but have the intelligence to seek out the experience. What's going to be the benefit for not only me as an individual, but how am I going to serve a bigger picture, right? And then to right. make that commitment that, you know what, all that I've worked for on on the field, I'm just going to completely walk away from. And yep. I mean, that's got to be a scary, scary decision. And then you think about it from from a godly perspective, man, you proving your faith in that moment. Uh, of saying, hey, I could be given this wonderful life because of football, but I'm going to risk it all for the sake of God's mission and God's purpose and helping people become closer to Christ. Like, huge respect, huge respect for you. I appreciate it. And man. then to do it all you in know, Spanish, I guess, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you know, it It got to that, you know, to that point, like how you said, like where I didn't want to stand before my maker, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and tell him that I chose football over over him and, yeah. and obviously I don't think he would hold that against me like like saying like oh you did mm-hmm. because I play football now but what I was basically trying to do is you know I didn't ever want to be the competitive side of me didn't ever want to be an excuse why I didn't ever want to make any excuses why I couldn't accomplish all my goals man yeah I never I never have been one to say that I had to sacrifice my football dreams for my spiritual goals mm-hmm. and I didn't want to say that I sacrifice my um spiritual goals for my football dreams i wanted to do it all yeah and i knew that i could and i knew that i had to do that at that time and i knew that when i came back that i was still gonna love football and i was still gonna work hard no matter what and do it and just kind of what kind of what kind of um, kind of did it for me was not only did my nfl dream not die you know it was still alive you know when i when i came home it was for me man it was just like like I really, you know, this is possible to do both and I'm going to do both. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I want to and I'm willing to do what it takes to do that. And, you know, I'll be blessed for it. Not not to say that, you know, because I served, because I gave everything, you know, and, and served the Lord that I'm automatically going to make it. No, I know that's not how it works. I'm just saying that, like, you know, I, I always wanted to make sure that that I, I, I never forgot and yeah. I spiritually was saying up to date. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know I mean, so, yeah. you're almost running two different races, right? And you're not going to lose yeah. it either one of them. Right. And that was my mindset. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't about to, you know, give up my dream because I put it on hold for something, you know, you mm-hmm. know, bigger, that bigger and more like more important than me. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and that's for me personally, that's when life got good. When I decided to, serve a bigger purpose other than myself because I wasn't as mature as you dude growing up. Like I was so dedicated to baseball that I did lose friendships and relationships, right? Because 
you know, when everybody wants to go out and have dinner or go out and drink, like, sorry, like I got to train or I got to sleep or I can't eat that, you know? Right. And I chose to be selfish for that purpose because I knew statistically how difficult it was to make it to the bigs. And uh, I never did, right? I never signed a major league contract, right? I dabbled with semi-professional baseball a little bit after my college career and, and that fizzled out fast. And for me, I wasn't able to stay as tenacious as you, right? I, I made the decision to quote unquote, get a real job. Right. You know, every man's got their, their path and we all make our own decisions for our own reasons. But I think, I think it's incredible. I have huge respect for you to be able to walk away, be successful in your mission, dedicate yourself to your mission. And then when that chapter's over, you open up that book, you know, that's a, your story of football and, and you get right back after it. And, and how, so how did that transition go going back into football, right? You'd be what, like a 21 year old sophomore? Yeah, exactly. Right? So I actually was still a freshman when I came back because okay. what I did was, what I did was I, I showed up right after I graduated high school as a freshman in the summertime in 2000, let's see, 2009. Mm-hmm. It was like June 2009, and then I played that fall, and then I went on my mission January 2010, and then I came back January 2012. Yeah. Yeah, two years, 2012, mm-hmm. and I played that fall, and then I played in 13. And when I first came back, dude, like, yeah, my body was fine because I hadn't beat it up for two years. Yeah, but yeah I was two years off. Shape. I was, I wasn't very, <laughs> you know, I wasn't very strong, you know, cause yeah. you know, you don't, you know, I don't, you just don't, it's not priority to lift weights and stuff out there. You know, mm-hmm. it's just really dedicating to the work. And so I was out of shape, but dude, I worked hard at it. And, you know, I just got to a point where a mature man, where I was just, I thought I was, I don't even want to say invincible, but I just thought I couldn't lose either way. You know what I mean? Man? Yeah. Like I just felt so good like you know as long as i you know keep working hard like i could go as far with this as i want but even if i fell short then i wouldn't i wouldn't feel like a failure you yeah. know what i mean yeah and, no it's, um, it's having so, that having that confidence right that i think allows you to push that envelope because when you don't and there's always that kind of fear in the back of your mind no matter how confident or how forward thinking you are yeah you don't have that the freedom to just go out, you know, and, and we used to think about, or we used to talk about it in, in baseball. It was like, just go out and play the sport. Don't think about it. Right. right. And I used to know, I knew I, I was a pitcher. I knew as a pitcher, if I could make you as a hitter think I won because exactly. there's not enough time to think in baseball, especially just in the act of hitting alone. But for you to just go out and just be wholeheartedly dedicated to that sport and not have to quote unquote, think about your success, I think plays a huge role in, in your ability to, to push on and do it at a level that most can't. Yeah. And, and you know, that worked for me, man. And like I said, that grind getting back, it kind of reminded me of the first time I, you know, you know, like, I don't know if you ever had to go through that transition of, you know, and you hadn't worked out in a long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you hadn't oh, yeah. run in a long time yeah. and you had to get back into it. It was rough for a yeah. couple of months, you know? Yeah. But I, like I said, it was important to me. And so, I stuck with it and I was grateful to, you know, be able to do it and, and realize my dream, but I, I just didn't want to have any regrets that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for me, I like, like I said, fortunately, you know, here we are, but almost eight, eight years later, 10 years later, and I'm, you know, living the dream, you know, yeah. and it's so much more than football, you know, now. And, uh, it, um, you know, but that, that kind of mindset, I think it all started with my mindset and my belief, you know, just meaning yeah. like, you know, I was always gonna not, 
I guess not prove everybody wrong, but I was going to prove me right. Just meaning like, no, no, dude, that's a great way to put it. Everything that I ever wanted to do and that I set out to do, man, I wasn't going to sacrifice any of that. I was going to do it all, you know, and, yeah. and it almost sounds like a little bit of a pompous me- mentality. Um, when I look back and I think about it, because, you know, I used to sit down and tell my dad exactly what I was going to do and mm-hmm. how I was going to do it. And mm-hmm. he used to look at me like, are you pretty sure? son?" Like, <laughs> I, I, he's like, you know, I think you, he, he's like, I think you can do it. I believe you can. He's like, yeah. but you know, it's not going to be that easy. And it's I said, I don't care. I was yeah. like, I, I was like, I don't care. I, I can do it. You know what I mean? And, but to be exceptional, you have to have some, you have to have that mentality in some regard. Right. 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 And, um, you know, like I said, it was, it was cool for me, man. Yeah. To have that. No, it's it's an incredible journey, man, to to get to know you more than what's just kind of on a roster page, right? And right. and kind of peel back some of the layers of your life, and and I think it's a great time to segue into. I mean, we talked so much about your football career and, and the transition in and out of your mission, and and all of the grind of football. You know, it's such a cliche statement, but it truly is a grind. I want to I want to kind of further develop. We talked a little bit off air about your father's role in developing your commitment and responsibility and your sense of service that, that you've clearly demonstrated in the conversation that we've had so far. But let's talk about how your father played that, played that role and how he had those influences on your early upbringing that has carried you through life to date. Yeah, no, I, I would say, um, you know, it is equally both my parents, you know, mm-hmm. they were all on the same page, but mm-hmm. you know, my dad knew from a young age, two things about me. You know, it didn't matter what he said or did or made me do in football that I was going to play, uh, regardless of how much he yelled at me or made me run or whatever. It didn't matter. I was going to do it. And that's how kind of how he knew that I loved it. Mm-hmm. And he also knew, too, that I loved horses come hell or high water. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and so those two things, he kind of used those, you know, uh, to raise me. And, um, you know, my mom was always supportive of it, too, because she, you know, her family had horses and you know, I, I only saw my mom ever ride maybe a couple times growing up, but she was always supportive of my dad that way and really agreed in kind of what uh, they were doing. And so for me, my dad, um, my dad knew I loved football. And so in order to play football, I had to get good grades in school. And so that was my parents' requirements. Mm-hmm. And I, I ended up testing them, I guess, call it, I tried to call their bluff, you know, when they said <laughs> I couldn't play football unless I got good grades. Yeah. Well, come sixth grade year, I didn't get good grades, and my mom yanked me out of football, and I was devastated. Um, and so I learned pretty quickly not to ever kind of test them like that. <laughs> Don't call mom to the carpet. Exactly, you know, and that was that was kind of uh, real humbling. And then also having horses, you know. As a young kid, you don't really realize, you know, the financial commitment that horses mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, as a young kid, I always remembered like you know the fun stuff you know oh yeah get to saddle the horses and we go ride and use them anytime this and this yeah but my dad real quickly my dad you know made me realize that even though i wasn't paying for them that i had the responsibilities to take care of them and that ended up teaching me so much responsibility man like as far as like what i had to do with them and kind of like okay if you want to enjoy have the fun then you got to put in the work and that went in with football that went in with horses, that went in with life, and that really kind of like molded me to who I was and kind of like the person my dad wanted me to become and my mom, you know, wanted me to become Mm -hmm. because there was, 
what do you call it? Okay, I, I probably think that like, you know, in our neighborhood, there was always opportunities to serve, you know, and service them because I was a big kid, you know, and I was a strong kid. I was able to, you know, lift and go do a lot of things that, you know, maybe others couldn't. Yeah. And so my dad would take yeah. me to help people move. He would take me to help people lay sod. He would take me to haul hay, not just for our horses, but for others. Mm-hmm. There's old, there's old farmer in our, in, um, in our neighborhood that was such a good man, you know, and my dad and I would go help him, you know, and haul hay. And I, I just, I promised those fields, man, they would never get small. Like I, yeah. I would, we would haul so many bales and they never get small and it would just, <laughs> you know, kind of teach you. And you know how, you know oh, how yeah. that is. Like, yeah. You know, and your hands are callous and your gloves, you know, and they just kind of... But there's work to be done. Yeah, it kind of taught you that, you know, there's responsibilities that come with everything in your life. You know, if you want to be a great athlete, then you got to pay the price. If you want to have horses, if you want to have the responsibility, then you got to take care of them. You know, you just Mm got to... That's part of, you know, growing up, uh, becoming an adult, being a man. And so many of those, man, those values were kind of instilled to me. Uh, by my parents through sports and horses and i want to say even with horses it started before sports you know so um dude it just kind of like made me who i was and i've kind of like i've kind of relished the the fact that those those have stuck with me even as an adult now and that's part of the reason that i've personally and we haven't got to this yet but personally that i have wanted so badly to get back into horses um because so i could share that with my kids and and kind of like you know use that and each kid's different i understand that not all my kids are gonna love horses like me you know Mm -hmm. what i mean but Mm -hmm. but i get but the responsibilities and i guess the 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 morals and the values kind of stay the same you know as far as as teaching um teaching your kids the value of hard work just like how my parents taught me yeah. And I think it's a, it's a great time to kind of transition. Uh, what's incredible is, is, I mean, you have a plan for after football, right? And so many professional athletes, I've seen it in my time with, with guys that I played with, there's all the hype of the fast money, right? right. There's all the fame and the fortune that they chase. Uh, they're not financially responsible. They don't think about the day when you hang your uniform for the last time. Uh, those checks aren't going to be coming anymore. <laughs> I was going to say, hope you made your money by 27 because by 28, you ain't going to have an income, you know? All right. But for you, you've thought about it, right? You've given it thought. You've actually set out goals and purposes, and a lot of it does involve horsemanship. So let's talk about mm-hmm. your your goals because I think I think you're setting yourself up for success, but you're also feeding a lot of those foundational uh, uh, traits that your your parents instilled in you. Um, you're feeding that passion of education. Let's talk about horsemanship and some of your goals post NFL. Yeah, so I'm glad you asked. It's uh, for me. It's been kind of um, kind of like a work in progress. You know, I can't mm-hmm. pinpoint almost exactly how I'm going to do it and want to want to do it, but I mm-hmm. just know that um, you know I've always kind of had a dream post career to. I guess, I guess my goals have been like, you know, play at least 10 years, retire, own a horse ranch, you know, yeah. become a horseman, mm-hmm. um, learn, learn, be educated and constantly learn horsemanship to be able to, um, you know, break my own horses and breed, um, you know, all that kind of stuff, not for any specific purpose mm-hmm. other than, you know, horses for us to ride and such. And, yeah. 
you know, obviously that stuff costs money and it doesn't make you a lot of money. Right. And so I've wanted to put myself in a a financial situation where I can just do that. And being in year six, you know, and wanting to play longer, uh, that's still in the works. You know what I mean? Um, You know, just because, you know, it depends where I'm going to be and what I want to be. But Growing up in Utah, we'd love to be back in Utah, but I also love Idaho and I love Arizona, you know, yeah. and it's, it's different parts, but like, um, just a part of that, uh, really just becoming educated as a horseman and being respected as a horseman. Like for me, it's, it's the challenge knowing that like, even, even the experts, even the best, like, uh, and relating it to the sports world, like even the best of the best, the hall of famers, they're constantly learning. They were, they would always say that. They were constantly learning and constantly getting better. And to me, just like being able to take on something that I know kind of about, but I'm yeah. not, that yeah. I haven't dove into is that challenge in and its own that I um, really want to do uh, when I'm finished. And more specifically, if you want me to get specific, I share this with you because I think it's neat. My favorite horse breed is a Morgan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a Morgan is, uh, you know, American breed, you know, by, you know, that famous that famous colt that was named figure, you know, by Justin Morgan. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, fold, uh, his three folds, you know, were kind of just like him. And, and the Morgan horse we know kind of has different kind of bloodlines and not specifically where it came from. But Morgan's to me are beautiful. They've always been my favorite horse. Um, growing up in Utah, there was a lot of quarter horses. Yeah. And quarter horses, you know, are cow horses, you know, that yes, they use on ranches and such. And so for me, what became appealing to me um, as an adult, I guess was if I'm going to have horses, I want to kind of find a way to pay for the habit. Yeah. And so what we've slowly started to do instead of coming out of pocket, right. Instead of, um, so what we kind of decided to do with my dad, uh, is find a couple, uh, draft mares, Mm -hmm. draft brood mares and breed them, uh, crossbreed them with quarter horses that usually have, you know, um, uh, cutting lines in them or just ranch. Yeah, studs, cow horse kind know? of blood. Yeah, yeah cow horse uh, studs. And, you know, these draft crosses that come out, <clears throat> we've been lucky that the broodmare we have and the, the foal that she just had has been, you know, they're good looking, you know. And yeah. People are picky about their horses, you know, and you don't mm-hmm. want them looking too drafty. You mm-hmm. don't want their feet looking too drafty. And we've been kind of lucky that our uh, my little filly cole is really, really good looking that way. And so my broodmare is pregnant again to have another one and we've kind of you know been almost i guess finding as this way to to kind of pay for the habit right now until we decide what i'm going to do when i'm done mm-hmm. but you know selling the foals um of these these crosses to ranchers around uh utah montana wyoming idaho to see yeah uh, basically to pay for hay or to pay for other horses mm-hmm. and so that's kind of how we got into that, man, um, with these draft crosses. And I like, you know, how draft crosses are bigger, um, you know, for heavier guys. I'm, a, I'm an offensive lineman, you know, and so I, they just kind of appealed to me more because yeah. growing up, obviously, I wasn't always that big. And so we rode quarter horses and my dad had a Morgan that he always rode and he was bigger than, your, you know, your typical foundation Morgan. Um, my dad actually got him from a family who the only reason they sold him is because he wasn't gated. Mm-hmm. You know, they raised mm-hmm. gated Morgans and he wasn't gated. And so my dad bought him. He's a big, good looking, just built, you know what I mean? Real, real um, sturdy looking stout, horse. Yeah. Yeah. Stout horse, you know, and 
that's kind of what I fell in love with, with that horse, you know? And so for me, you know, paying for the habit right now, you know, and that's kind of been like our, our niche that we found that we kind of, and, you know, breeding horses, especially crosses is, is it's not an exact science. And so yeah. it can come out looking either way. And that's yeah. kind of what I like. Yeah. And that's just for us being able to pay for hay now and kind of for the habit. And that's kind of where I want to go through it because I always have desires too to make like a draft cross, but with a Morgan mm-hmm. and just to see kind of how that turns out. Not mm-hmm. for, you know, not for, um, for ranching, but for, uh, riding in the mountains, you know? And yeah. so that's just been kind of my, I guess my dream that way to, you know, do that, breed those horses. And also, like I told you, become super educated and really become a student in, in horsemanship in true horsemanship. I think honestly, your your success is inevitable, and and I, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine. Oh, it was maybe six months ago. Same thing, man. He's kind of coming to the twilight of his career. Uh, we had conversations of what's next because he ended up in baseball right out of high school, right? And right. in this world, right, how do you how do you compete for jobs when you're not college educated or you don't have this big resume, right? The only money is to really stay in your sport, whether it be coaching or consulting and things of that sort. But what I tried to convey to him that I hear in you is that everything that makes you who you are does not change when the game walks away. No, absolutely not. All Mm -hmm. of your tenacity, all of your education, all of your intelligence, everything that you've poured into the NFL isn't going to change who Xavier is, right? Right. Now you just apply it in a different direction, right? You find where where your passion burns. And this is what I was trying to convey to him, right? You find where your passion burns, man, and you pour all of that into whatever it may be. It's incredible to hear, though, that that you do have those plans, right? You've been given that forethought. You have the support of your family, right? You've started to take some of those first steps because that transition to success isn't going to take place from a season to an offseason, right? You have to set yourself up for success and longevity. Exactly. And I think you saying that is, is bringing up that point is critical because I've seen a lot of my friends who, when they finish, it's almost like cold turkey, right? Yeah. It's and like, you're like, okay, what's, what's your, now? What's your hobby? What's your next passion, man? I don't know. Yeah. And I'm like, it's okay to not know, I guess, exactly what you want to do, but you, you, you want to have some idea because yeah. when you stop cold turkey and you just don't have a routine or do anything, that's when it really can like get depressing for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm really lucky that I have something like horses that I love, you know what I mean? And and like, for me, I I, kind of know that that's what I want to do. Yeah. And, you know, I can adjust from there depending on how I need to, you know, but, you know, I think the problem with a lot of athletes is that is they don't know what's next because they've been doing it so long their whole life. Yeah. And it's, it's just, you'll go insane literally, man, if you don't find a passion or a hobby or something that you want to do. And I think that people get, you know, like I said, like, they always feel like it has to supplement them financially, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what you would love to be able to do if you can make a successful transition and make the same money that you're making in the NFL or NBA or yeah. MLB. But that's not always the case. It just needs something to sustain you, <clears throat> as far as your passion and your desire and your. You, and then once you like get settled into that, just like how you were in your athletic world, nobody can stop you, man, yeah. because your mindset, your mindset is so clear. And in kind of what you want to do, and no matter what it is, like in the horse world, man, I'm not like I like I was telling you, I'm not, I'm not, you know, breeding my horses and trying to, you know, train my horses so I could go to an auction and outdo everybody. Yeah, I'm I'm doing it 
So, you know, I could feel good about like these horses that I've raised and I've bred that knowing that they are going to be good quality horses and then knowing that I was humble enough to, to be able to um, be, uh, have some kind of part in that journey. Do you Correct. know what I mean? Correct. And, and that to me is just as like, uh, you know, for me competing with myself that way or, or getting to know a horse and like kind of truly doing that is like more, I guess not more. It's just as thrilling to me as competing on Sundays. You know what yeah, I mean? And, absolutely. And that's, and that's where for me, I think a lot of athletes need to uh, need to understand that. Like, like, bro, if it's your passion, don't be scared of it, man, because you were never scared to chase your dream in athletics. Yeah. You never were. That's a great point, like man. You, you, you know, don't be scared of, you know, you wanting to pursue something else that you feel like you know nothing about because, first of all, you're built for it. You're built for the adversity. You're mm -hmm. built for the grind. Mm -hmm. And you know what it takes to be successful, uh, to do everything else, to be successful in that. And so all you're doing is something else. It's just you're not comfortable with it because you're not familiar with it, but that yeah. should want to motivate you to be just as competitive in it. You know what I mean? No, and heck, dude. To me, that's, that's where uh, people need to, you know, truly kind of find what they want to do. And, and who knows, you might be pursuing something head on and realize that that's not what you love, but you will find something along the way. Yeah. But, but if you approach it just like how you approached, uh, you know, professional sports or your athletics, meaning like putting in the time, the commitment and putting in the energy to doing that, then man, it's like how you said, you can't help but not succeed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And um, so that's just been kind of my attitude in life and not just with football because, like I'm saying it, like everybody tells me, it, it all comes at a different time, but when it hits you that you're not going to be playing anymore, and I hope to not have that conversation with myself for a, a long time. That's mm -hmm. my mindset, you know? Mm -hmm. But when I when it is done and when it does come, I do – uh, I am confident that, you know, my passion, you know, with horses mm -hmm. is going to really kind of like carry me over and, yeah. and I'll dive, I'll die, I guess, uh, just to give you a, <laughs> I guess I've had the itch, man, for like five years to like get back into horses. And I, every year since my rookie, I've been like, dad, I got to buy some horses, <laughs> bro. I got to buy some horses. And he's just like, son, he's like, just focus on your career. Yes. Be time for horses. Yes. That chapter well, last will come. Year, well, last year, dude, I finally just was like, all right, we got to get back into it. And so. <clears throat> we talked about, you know, the plan with the mirrors and, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, being able to pay for it. So I didn't have to come out of pocket and all that. And, uh, I ended up buying like, dude, I think I ended up buying like five horses within a span of like two months. Oh, geez. Months. <laughs> and my dad was like, <clears throat> my dad called me and he's like, all right, son, stop buying horses. This right has got to stop. Like, let's, <laughs> let's see what you like. Let's see what we, uh, let's, let's work with what we got first and let's do this and that. And like, don't be so anxious, you know? And, it, but it's just because you know my passion, man. I, yeah. I do the same thing in yeah. football. I do the same thing in football. I jump at the gun, you know, and then jump in at the beat at yeah. the bit if you'd say. And yeah. it's just kind of like the same thing for me when it comes to when I talk about horses. And so, you know, being uh, you know an offensive lineman in the NFL, being uh, you know Samoan, and and like just kind of like growing up with those kind of passions, where people are like, "Dude, you love horses?" No. You, like you like horses and I'm like, no, dude, I love like, horses. You don't know, yeah, yeah, you know like. I mean? <laughs> and so like, I just think it's pretty neat. And what I love the most too is like, uh, like I said, like I, you know, my wife, I've been married to her five years. She's incredible, mm -hmm. but she grew, she, she didn't grow up riding horses a lot, but she grew up around them mm -hmm. and she's grown them a couple times, but she sees my passion and my desire for it. And she's so supportive, just like how she's supportive to me, like in the NFL. Yeah. 
And like she's a saint for that, man. And I love her to death. And like getting my kids kind of into it, it just kind of gets me like super excited, you know, just like how football does, you know. And so like, yeah. you know, just explaining the passion, man, and, and doing that, I think like going, reeling it back in is, that's what athletes, man, um, especially for my athletes, but not just athletes, it's anybody who's kind of, you know, afraid of the unknown mm-hmm. to take a, take that step out and kind yeah. of pursue something else that they like, but they're not sure how they'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, just you take it, take it with that same approach, man. Yeah. You know, have the confidence, have the faith to do it, and you know, and just you know, don't be afraid to fail that way. Just like how you said, yeah. um, you know, your transition, you know. Mm-hmm. And as we wrap every show, you know, um, and we've kind of touched on it and introduced it. You've done a great job segueing every single chapter of this uh, episode, dude. So thank you for that. But. Yeah. No problem. At the end of every episode, I like to kind of wrap with a legacy question, you know, as as far as like your experiences in life, whether it be sports, right, or your horsemanship stuff. What is the legacy that you want to leave? What is maybe some advice you would like to share with people who might be following in your footsteps? Uh, I just, I would just say just, um, you know, don't be afraid, man. Have confidence and believe in yourself. Uh, It's a lot easier said than done, obviously. But to me, like, you know, my parents always told me, just like everybody's parents, I hope uh, when I was young, I could do whatever I wanted if I worked hard enough and if I wanted it bad enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found out from an early age that I wanted to play in the NFL, and that's what I'm doing. I found out from an early age that I wanted to, that I loved horses. And, you know, I own my own now and all this kind of stuff. But um, the journey there, you know, as long as you have a bigger perspective, I guess, in life, a big view, a clear picture, and, and, nothing's going to get in your way, then you're able to truly like pursue that without any fear. Mm-hmm. There's going to be speed bumps. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be all that kind of stuff, but it only helps you build you along the way. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got to a point where I came home, uh, from my, from my mission. I worked hard and I played those tiers at UCLA and, you know, entered the NFL draft. And there was always uncertainty if you, if you're going to get drafted or if not. And to me, I wanted to get drafted like everybody uh, did, um, like everybody does, you know, and I was fortunate to get drafted, uh, but a lot of people didn't. And I've seen some of the best players that I've ever met were undrafted free agents who had that chip on their shoulder. Yeah. Come out to prove some stuff. That that just, yeah, they came out to prove. And so to me, I guess the legacy would be is, man, dream big and do what's required. If it's important to you, then you'll do anything, anything to, to accomplish that dream. And, um, it's incredible when the, uh, when the work ethic and the goals align, exactly. amazing things and can happen. And you don't ever have to sacrifice who you are, you yeah. know, for, um, you know, to accomplish, you know, your dreams, because, you know, if you have that attitude like me, that you could, you can literally do it all. Uh, meaning like, you know, pro- not prove, you don't have to prove people wrong. You just have to prove yourself right. Yeah. That's I like truly, that, man. That's, tr- that, that's truly a belief you know, in yourself and in a higher, you know, in, in your God or whoever it is to, I guess, to get you, um, get you through it. And so really that's it, man. Don't be afraid to set goals. Don't be afraid to dream. And, um, don't be afraid to chase your passions, man, because life is short, man. And you don't ever want to have, I guess, uh, wish that, you know, as an older person, when you look back and reflect on your life, you don't want to, you don't want to regret not pursuing something that you truly loved, you know? And, yeah. So I've just kind of lived that way. And I know not everybody is able to have the same experiences and resources as I, because I had overwhelming support from my family. But even then, if you want to change your circumstance, you can't, 
Yeah, that's um, that's the truth right there. Yeah, man. It's just you know, believe in yourself, man. Believe in yourself, and um, don't let anybody, I guess, tell you otherwise. I'll tell you what, X man. It's been an incredible hour. We've blown through about an hour and five minutes worth of tape, man. It's been great getting to know you. I definitely was looking forward to this interview based on our previous conversations and dialogue and stuff like that. We're praying for a speedy recovery for you, man. We're praying for some longevity in that football career, man. And and if there's anything that we can do for you, right, as a horsemanship resource, man, do not hesitate to reach out one single bit. Well, I will, man. I appreciate you, and thanks so much for having me. I, I um, meant a lot to me. Thanks, bro. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash let freedom reign podcast. Again, we thank you and we'll see you on the next one.